Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Some of you are like, man, I'm not worthy of God to pay any kind of attention to me at all. Some of you are in that boat right now. Some of you are like, uh, why wouldn't God want to look at me? I mean, look at me. Some of you are just like that. And I want to bring you guys to a place tonight that you understand the why behind giving God our full, giving God our entire being, giving God your entire life. And like, we're going to talk about what it means to do that. Some of you guys in this room have been thinking about giving your life to Christ. I know you've been talking to your coaches about it. I know some of you guys in this room have been kept up at night on your phone talking to your friends about it. And like you're hesitant, you're nervous, you're anxious about taking that step. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that after tonight, some of you guys will choose to step out of the darkness and into the light of Christ. Okay? So what I'm going to do tonight is I want to talk to you a little bit about how God looks at you. Because too, too often we spend too much time looking at, at, at how other people look at us or we compare ourselves to others' social media presence, their status. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We have this jaded view of how God looks at us. And in Luke, Luke is a book written by a, a doctor that he explains so well the way that Jesus looks at, you, at humanity and the heart that he has for you. And that how passionate he is about you, how he pursues you, how persistent he is at never stopping his pursuit of you. And finally, how passionately he wants friendship with you, oneness with you. And so we're going to talk about that tonight in Luke chapter 15. It's interesting how this, this chapter starts out, you guys. There's a group of worldly people that look at Jesus and they go, what's up with that dude? All he does is hang out with the outcasts of society, the sinners, the rebels, the awful, the overlooked. That is all who Jesus is ever spending time with. And I want to start by talking to you guys about the kinds of people that Jesus is looking for. That they are not the ones that are always necessarily properly dressed. Because I'll tell you this. All of us are completely broken, utterly broken from the inside out. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Some of us do a great job wearing brokenness on the outside. Like you, you could look at some people and go, I, I mean, you've been there before. You're like, dude, I, it looks like, man, their life is really painful and they're broken. But there's other people that you pass in your hallways, going up and down the hallways, that they look like they've got everything together. They're in the right classes. They're in the right friend groups. But they're equally as broken as that person that looks like an outcast. And I love when it says, it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. They said, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He like, he hangs out with them. He wants to spend time with them. I'm grateful for this passage starting out because it means Jesus is willing to spend time with me. That I'm worth the time, that I'm worth the effort. That means a lot to me. Because people don't make time for each other. You know what I'm saying? 
Time is precious. And students, tonight, I want you to hear the heart of this man, Jesus. Because he is passionate about you, whether you know it or not. This is the why behind, why would I choose to follow a man, Jesus? Why would I choose to change the way that I'm living? Why would I choose to be anything different than what I'm currently being? It is because of the love of God the Father that you might take the risk to step into that relationship. The first illustration Jesus makes, because he understood what these guys were thinking, they're like, these guys are idiots. They question my motive and how I see humanity. Luke chapter 15, verse 3, he says, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home. He calls his friends and neighbors together and says, hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. To put it plain as day, if this room was full of a 1,000 middle school and high school students raising their hands, all worshiping God, all fully committed, God would, would like that. But there is more rejoicing over one seventh grade boy that is over in a corner that says, Daggum, I need Jesus. I'm lost without that man. It says that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over that one than multitudes raising their hands and worshiping. God's pursuit of us, you guys. Sheep are dumb creatures. My parents got goats. They get out, they do the stupidest things. They get their head caught in the fence. Uh, my parents had like a bunch of, they got these really fancy goats and they went down and ate a bunch of poisonous plants and a bunch of them started dying. Like, that's not very smart, right? Sheep and goats are kind of the same kind of creatures. Sheep are the same way. They'll just wander off and get themselves in trouble. It says that Jesus, normally you would say, no, I got 99 sheep that are solid. They're good. I'm not going to risk the 99 for the one. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I don't care if I have a room full of 1,000 middle school and high school students. I care about the one. And students, I know some of you in this room tonight, it's crazy because you're in a room with hundreds of people your age. You feel like the one. You feel alone. I don't have to pretend to know that's true. I guarantee there's probably half of you in this room feel like you're alone. And Jesus is talking to you right now going, I am not calling you to be alone. I am the God that pursues and loves and goes after you with everything that I have. That's the kind of love that God the Father has for you. That's one reason we have to go, I want that kind of love. I want the kind of love that will never stop pursuing me. No matter how hard I try to push away the Father's love, he will always pursue me. I want that kind of love. And some of you, Don said, I need you to be quiet tonight, okay? That's okay. I should have said it beforehand. Some of you guys need to hear that tonight. Okay? 
Now, some of you, this next section, and Dante, I'm not mad at you, man. I just need you to tonight. Probably next week, too. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Are you hearing a common theme? But in this one, it's not just the stupid sheep that leaves the flock. It's a coin that has value to its owner. Some of you in this room are feeling alone. Some of you aren't feeling alone, but you feel like your life has no value. And I'm telling you the persistence of Father God to to go after you because he sees immense value in who you are. I picture this woman just sweeping the house, turning furniture over, looking in every crack, searching for this coin because of its sentimental, heartfelt value. And that's the way God looks at you because when he looks at you, he just doesn't see a person. He sees a soul that he was willing to allow his son to die for. And he has that sentimental connection to you, even if you feel like your life has no value at all. You have immense value to your father. Immense value to your father. This last story, this is the parable of the lost son. I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite stories to tell for a couple reasons. I think every believer can put themselves in the story of the lost son having felt like they rebelled against the father and strayed away from God and needed to know that God still received them and accepted them back. I want you to hear this. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. He basically said, I want my inheritance now. In short, give me my inheritance. I might wish you were dead. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth on wild living. I'll let you imagine what that would be for a young man that had a fortune at his fingertips what wild living would look like. You know what that is. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. So basically, a a kid that, that had a big inheritance, blew all of his money, finding himself sitting in a field feeding pigs. You guys, pigs are filthy animals, dirty, stinky. And he chose this. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. The pig food looked so good to him because he was starving. Because he chose to leave the father. When he came to his senses, he said this, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? 
And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. You could picture him rehearsing this in his head as he's going back. Father, I've sinned, I've, I've, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I, I just want you to make me a hired man. Would you please let me back? Uh, Father, I am so sorry for what I've done. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Would you please accept me back into the house? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Some of you in this room have walked away from your faith. And it's time for you to return home. And Satan has you convinced that there's not enough grace from God to extend your way. And all the Father is doing is waiting for you to come home. He's just waiting for you to come home. Scripture says that the father was waiting. And it said, while he was a long ways off, he saw his son and ran to him. Some of you that are questioning whether or not there's enough grace left for you, there is. There's enough. And you need to walk into that grace. So here's the deal, students. I know Parker talked about next week. I wanna talk about tonight. Because some of you need to step into a relationship tonight. Some of you that have never started your relationship with Jesus, you've never understood your value. You've never understood that you're not alone You're not that sheep that's long off by themselves. God sees you. God has been pursuing you. Maybe you don't recognize your value. It's time to step into your identity in Christ. And just like that son that put that robe on was clothed again and made new, it's time for you to step into that for the first time. For those of you that have not made a decision to follow Christ, Now, some of you in this room have been following Christ for a long time and you need to have a moment of transparency. We call these come to Jesus moments where you're gonna be honest about how you've been living with your small group, with your coach. And you need to know there's plenty of room for grace. He's the father that's running to you. 
wrap his arms around you, give you a, give you a kiss, put a new robe on you, make you new. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing a song. And I want you guys to consider that, those two decisions. Not gonna press you into either one, but I want you to consider those two decisions tonight as we worship together. The cell that we find ourselves living in isn't some creepy, dark, physical place. It's a cell that we formed in our own mind out of fear. It's like we, we convince ourselves that we can't be transparent and honest with the people around us because, uh, man, they won't be our friends anymore. They're going to look at us differently. It's going to break all of these relationships. And so we, we continue to, to lie and deceive and pretend to be something that we're not. And, and some of us, like sheep, like, like we don't even know that we're in a cell. We don't even understand that we're lost. But some of you are like that son. You knowingly walked away, and, and you're living in this place of, of darkness and honestly of death and destruction, and you're choosing it. And, it, and it's like, it, it seems insane, right? You watch that video, and you're like, why wouldn't they walk out of it? Why wouldn't they walk away from the bondage, from the cell, from being a, a, a slave to their habits day in, day out? But it's what we do. We choose to remain bound up when the price has been paid for your freedom. And all you literally have to do is walk through the door. If you need to go find your coach right now, do it. Start the conversation. There's no reason to wait. I mean it. Why would you wait? That's why your coach is here. High school students, your coaches are going to start making their way down from the, they didn't know this, they're going to make their way down from their balcony so you can find them easy. Middle school coaches, most of them are sitting with you right now. Let's start the conversation. I wouldn't want to live in that cell. I chose to walk out of that cell a long time ago. I don't ever want to step foot back in that cell. It's an invitation to you tonight, students, to step out of that cell into relationship with your Savior. There's already one student that's made that decision. We're going to get to celebrate that tonight. And I know there's more than one in this room that wants to grab onto that hope that there's something more. Father, I pray for these students tonight. Lord, you have delivered us from fear. You have delivered us from slavery to our habits. Father, most of all, you've given us hope. Lord, it is time that we stop being so concerned about our current condition and truly start looking at our future position with you, God. That position next to you. Father, I know you're waiting for us. For that student in this room that has sinned, they have got to confess and walk away from. I know you're waiting for that student.
For that student in this room that feels no value of their life, I know you are waiting for that student to move towards you. For the student in this room that is feeling isolated and alone and without hope, God, I know you are pursuing them. Help them to walk through that door. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.